Hello and welcome to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspective on the latest news in the industry, bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, pitching investors, and setting a fair valuation. Now, why would we take on such a challenge? Well, since we launched our cannabis-focused business accelerator and venture fund in 2013, we've made over 110 investments into 90 companies in the legal cannabis industry. And we want to share our experiences and learnings with you. So join us every week as we take a deeper look into the legal cannabis industry and uncover the nuances and subtlety of starting up and investing in cannabis. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. Uh, this is Celia Daly, and today we're going to talk about a topic that's all the rage, um, artificial intelligence and deep learning. Uh, in other industries, you know, it's we've seen sort of uh, it take off, um, but we're also sort of seeing it take off a little bit in cannabis as well. So we're going to talk kind of broadly um, about deep learning today, um, but we have a guest with us who... Um, works in agriculture, deep learning in agriculture as a, as a whole, but sort of got his start in cannabis. So um, we have Colin Farian with us, who's the CEO of Deep Green. Thanks for joining us, Colin. Thanks so much for having me, Celia. So Colin, can you tell us a little bit about what Deep Green is and why we should listen to you or <laughs> care what your opinion is? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can conquer the latter <laughs> request, but um, Deep Green's a it's a computer vision company for agriculture, and what that means is we use um, deep learning, um, which is just a, a type of artificial intelligence, um, to detect issues on plants through images. Um, so it's like a very specific niche of deep learning, um, but we do focus within cannabis uh, primarily, just given that's where the market has pulled us. And we do it a little bit differently than other companies that are out there because we um, are training models, deep learning models, with all different types of optical sensors so that um, instead of having a proprietary camera that you'd need to install in your cultivation to do your scouting for you, you can do any kind of camera and just use an API. So um, I think, like, let's get into the, let's sort of get into, maybe you could give us an overview of kind of what is deep learning, what is artificial intelligence, what's the difference between them, and how do we use the terms correctly? Um, sure. So we'll start with uh, like what is deep learning and artificial intelligence. It's usually kind of bundled together into this one term, but ultimately it's teaching computers, um, software specifically, to um, understand tasks in the same way that humans do. And so like the analogy that people commonly use is um, like teaching a young child or a baby a specific task. And so that could be anything from identifying the difference between a fork and a spoon, and mm -hmm. if you show that baby enough examples of different types of forks and wooden spoons, eventually they become an expert mm -hmm. at this task of this is a fork and a spoon. Identifying forks and spoons. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so ultimately, um, if you can build software that uh, does the same thing, no matter what kind of fork or spoon it is, that's mm -hmm. uh, the underlying process of artificial intelligence. Cool. Um, um, that's helpful because to be completely honest with you, I don't think that I do know the difference or really what that means. I think when I think of AI, I think of that awful movie from like the early 2000s where there's robots taking over the world and anyway, I digress. Um, so what, 
where is the meat of this, right? I mean, obviously this is very technical. You know, what makes a good deep learning company good? Um, it's a tricky question, um, just because it is all the rage right now. Uh, but often when you have companies that will, um, they'll go and like raise money for their deep learning software that they want to build. And what we see uh, more often than not, and it, honestly, it's stuff that we've learned along the way. These are mistakes that we've made. But um, the companies that'll go and like machine learning engineers are really hard to find. And data scientists are even hard to find for a startup as well. But um, teams often think that when you combine those two, we're a deep learning company. And in all reality, that's not the case. Mm. Um, and we've talked about this before in the past, but um, the real meat of artificial intelligence and deep learning companies is data. Um, and data can be anything, depending on what type of artificial intelligence you're trying to build. If you want to have a, a computer vision uh, style artificial intelligence, then data is images or video, um, as opposed to maybe audio with natural language processing, um, all the way to even just sensors, which are just like data points you might have in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so the data is the most important, and without data, you don't have an AI company. And with data, you actually don't necessarily need those ML engineers and data scientists. You can outsource mm. that because the data is, tends to be most important. Okay. So um, how do you get data? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it can be really tricky. It depends on the use case, right? right. But um, we kind of, we came from cannabis and then went to traditional agriculture and then we're pulled back into cannabis. And in traditional ag, you have, um, all different types of like, there's so many variables in data, right? But um, it can go anywhere from farmers recording uh, their own observations about a crop, and that can be data points that you can uh, integrate into like a deep learning model, all the way to uh, similar to what we're doing, is like flying a drone over a crop and looking for diseases or pests. Um, finding data though, especially in cannabis, is uh, exceptionally hard and often understated by most people, I would say. Okay. Um, and the process is it's a long explanation. I'm not sure if I could really boil it down. <laughs> give it a try, though. Yeah, give it a try. <laughs> okay. um, great. Well, we use, like, our use case is probably like the most, um, uh, the easiest to compare to. But we look for, uh, say, a disease on a plant because we want to get more images of that. And just like a young child, if you show a child enough pictures of mold on a leaf, um, the child will be able to identify it really, really well, after, you know, maybe thousands and thousands of examples. So that's what we have to do. Um, now the tricky part is there's a couple steps here. You have to find a farm that has diseases, which no one talks about and nobody wants to admit. Right. If you do find that farm, you then have to find a process with a farmer to collect the data, meaning that if a farmer usually, if they find disease in their farm right now, they will clean it up immediately because it's lost crop if they don't. You have to work out some type of strange deal with them to say, hey, let me know when you find that disease and don't clean it up until I can come in and get pictures of it, um, which is entirely against their daily processes mm -hmm. and it requires you know, some type of you know, uh, structure that really hasn't existed before because you want to collect images of sure. your plants. Um, and the last piece is you have to be able to identify uh, that given disease on an image on your computer. So the most tedious task of all of this in collecting the data is uh, you're sitting under, you know, or on top of a cultivation 
and you have a picture on your computer and you're trying to cross-reference the picture with the actual plant and then draw boxes and label the boxes if it's a tobacco mosaic virus or if it's a magnesium deficiency, which none of that is, is easy. None of those yeah. three steps are easy. Yeah, for sure. Wow, okay. <laughs> Picked a difficult one there. Um, uh, how do do the models change much from the data? So like, like how much does the model stay the same and how much does the data inform the, the model? Yeah, that's a, that's a super good question. Um, and another one of the, like the investor, uh, like on the investor checklist, this should be, but if you have a team that says, we've got this rock solid model and we're gonna stick with it going forward, um, then they probably don't have like a ton of experience with AI. Our models change at the very least twice a week Mm -hmm. um, and this is all dependent on how quickly we can go and collect data, uh, but they should never ever be stagnant. And even you'll have like an underlying, um, you might have like a, an, uh, uh, you might have like an underlying software that you're using, like the Google TensorFlow, for example, or PyTorch. But um, your actual models should be, you know, getting pushed as commonly as any given feature that you might have in an app-based mm -hmm. company. Interesting. Um, and so that's in, that includes like tweaking, um, uh, tweaking the weights of this of the models, which basically is uh, helps the computer understand like which features are more prominent, um, to testing how labeling can be more productive. Mm. Um, so anything from if you have a group of spider mites, they're going to be labeled much differently than uh, a patch of powdered mildew, for example. Um, and it takes a lot of time and experimenting to build a model that does that as efficiently as possible. Hmm. Cool. That's cool. So I, mean, I think you sort of touched on it. This seems to, I've, we've seen businesses like this, right? I mean, Deep Green's not the, not the only one doing this. Mm -hmm. um, this seems to be interesting in cannabis as a whole. Um, you know, is there something about cannabis that allows for this type of business or is it, uh, is this happening in general agriculture? It's, it's interesting because it is happening in general agriculture and um, largely because the uh, there's more capital available in general ag, or at least there has been to mm -hmm. this point because there was like risk around uh, federal policy and whatnot. Um, but in cannabis, is a really nice opportunity because um, and regardless of what type of AI you're trying to build in cannabis, you have growers that are uh, significantly younger uh, so they're more inclined to adopt technology and they're making way more money off the crop than say a um, You know corn and soybeans are at three and four dollars. Sure. They're in these like, you know Decade-long troughs and so where you look at cannabis you have this super high margin crop that ha is under high regulation And so there can't be mold because it's going to go to a medical patient or mm -hmm. even wreck somewhere um, And then you have these growers that are you know, they're more than inclined to check out new tech if you bring them something that's going to make their life easier sure. um, and on top of that it is like a um, it's like an attractive technology you know it's yeah. something they can like grasp right away they're like oh this computer is learning by itself and if I help out it'll get smarter and smarter yeah um, absolutely so shifting gears a little bit I think maybe on the investor side um, as an investor looking at investing cannabis um, looking at investing potentially in deep learning or AI 
um, you know, what are some of the things to think about? I mean, these are obviously areas that are super exciting. Lots of investors want to get involved, but what are the questions to ask? Like, where do we start? Yeah, so let's start from the, the more subtle questions because um, the, the obvious ones that investors go into are, you know, what kind of experience do you have in deep learning? Like, can you build algorithms, all this stuff? And that's, uh, that's, that's well and good, um, but you're not gonna like parse out your potential risk by asking those questions. Mm -hmm. You're just gonna figure out if like someone has taken a Coursera class or, you know, sure. built their own little project. What you should be asking is, what type of familiarity do they have with the data? Mm -hmm. um, so say in cannabis, for example, if you're trying to build a, a sensor-based system or even anything within a cultivation, you want to know how familiar the founding team is um, with the ability to collect the data, the ability to clean it, um, the value of that data in the future, um, as well as uh, what kind of team members they're gonna have to bring on to support that strategy. because. Um, it's not to say in any way that software engineering or data science is um, becoming commoditized, but the real value um, when you're building um, assets in a startup, especially for deep learning, is going to come from collecting data because your revenues will be small for a long time. It'll take uh, an even longer time to truly develop the technology and teach the software, but at the end of the day, you have this you're collecting this proprietary data set that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. And so take disease plants, for example. Um, there are very few companies that have collected pictures of disease plants because of all of the intricacies around that. And that's the part that we mastered. Um, you know, after a couple of trips and trying to figure out what the process, how we should prioritize. Um, but so as an investor, you, you definitely want to dig in on each of those points because without data, you have no company at all. You just have a couple of engineers that are building uh, the framework for mm -hmm. a deep learning company, but they won't get anything accomplished and they'll spin wheels for 12 months while your money goes away. For sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, interesting, okay. So, so here's a question. What do you think the industry looks like in a few years in, in, in terms of AI? Like, is this, what do we think it's gonna look like? What are your predictions? I mean, in my ultra biased, and I'm not like a, a futuristic sci-fi person by any means, like <laughs> I, don't, I don't really uh, fall in that category for books or media or whatever, um, but we are getting a lot closer to automation. And what we have right now is this super interesting opportunity where um, prices of cannabis, and even as hemp moves into the picture, are really high. Um, and event, eventually they'll be significantly lower and that's a perfectly competitive, I guess, uh, yeah, perfectly competitive industry. So um, you're gonna see uh, everyone reach that equilibrium of much lower prices that are just barely sneaking out some margin. Mm -hmm. In order to support that, you're gonna need um, fundamental AI-based services uh, to automate all those tasks. Because right now you can afford the margin of like 20 people that are going in and looking at the plants every single day or doing all the trimming or um, gauging uh, when the plants are ready for harvest. But uh, in five years from now, it would be crazy if we still had people walking around inspecting the plants mm -hmm. or if we had people in trim rooms twice a week with scissors until their hands go numb. Um, and those technologies are on the way and they take a long time to develop, just as mentioned. But 
um, the ROI on something like that uh, is so high that it's it seems very hard to believe that that wouldn't be the future in the near term. Do you think regulations will have any impact? I mean, do you think anyone cares if it's a human trimming versus a, a robot or a human identifying the issues versus a robot? So like with the, with the trimming aspect, um, uh, probably not. Uh, there could be more of like a regulation bias just because it's easier to pocket it if you're going and trimming a bunch of butts every single mm-hmm. day. Um, but with inspecting the crops, we have actually seen, and it's just it's been within the past couple of months, which is interesting because no one's talking about this quite yet. Yeah. We include it in some of our decks, but um, in Canada, there's been this massive increase in regulators busting cultivations for selling crops that uh, are contaminated, hmm. primarily with mold. And so uh, between December and January, there are over $7 million in recalls Whoa. that flew way under the radar. But if you go and do like a Google search uh, um, of mold and cannabis uh, between those dates, you'll see uh, one company lost their entire license, mm-hmm. um, a couple companies got big fines. Uh, and so a lot of the regulators are starting to realize, and it's this kind of dirty secret of cannabis that we've known for a while and mm-hmm. want to help solve, but these grows will cover up contamination because the risk of someone finding out has been lower in the past of the profits that they'll get from that plant. Mm-hmm. Now, in the future, that will change, and if you can have something implemented like computer vision to inspect the crops and identify if mold uh, occurs on a plant, you can just toss that one plant and hopefully the ones around it don't get infected, um, which is a much better process than cleaning it off with a little bit of beneficials and then hoping that that doesn't land in a medical lab or sure. a medical patient somewhere. What is the uh, re- sort of feeling of cultivation facilities, right? So I, I know cultivators have a bit of a reputation of liking to do things the way that they do things. So what's the, I mean, what is the general feeling about something like this? Are, are people, do people trust it? Do they want to use it? Um, for like, for an AI service? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, you, you're spot on. Call the master growers, uh, there's a wide spectrum of personalities, but in terms of like, for looking at the Odyssey, there's probably a pretty specific bias towards this is the way I've always done it from like my basement 20 years ago to now uh, and I don't want to change it mm-hmm. and so I've been inspecting the plants and whatever um, but as these growers especially the ones that have you know kind of more embedded uh, in their processes they're more and more often they're getting exposed to expansion in their cultivations and they're working with a budget that requires them to work six or seven days a week which especially as a master grower, you're stuck inside under LEDs for 12 hours a day. That's mm-hmm. a really tough, it's just a tough job. There's yeah. a lot of things to be doing all the time. Um, and so we find that there, there can be resistance when we first go in because it's, it's just tough to believe that a computer is gonna spot a disease way before you. You know, it's yeah. something that hasn't existed, so you kind of have to go and prove it to them. But ultimately, when they realize um, you know whether it's through like a trial or just through a demo um, how much time we're going to save them um, especially between them and their employees from everything from scouting to irrigation um, it quickly becomes like a, a turn in sentiment um, but you really have to get over that 
it's kind of like the, the crossing the chasm dynamic, right? Yeah, sure. Right. Um, where people are, they get excited, but then they're doubtful, and then they resist, and then eventually once you get a certain amount of adoption, uh, everyone else follows. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been working on getting that certain amount of adoption at that point. We've kind of conquered the, the fear aspect, but, um, but we're still working on you know, more and more growers who will say, you know, maybe we don't need that because our cultivation is only 10,000 square feet, which is fine versus a 50,000 square foot that's much more valuable, but um, you're still, you're saving time no matter what. Yeah, cool. All right, well, I think that's it. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and giving us an insight into AI and deep learning and cannabis um, and, and your predictions for the future. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you as well. Make sure that you write us a review or rate us. That helps get this content out to more people. So if you like it, um, make sure you tell us that you like it so that we can, A, give you more of it, and B, so that other people can find it and like it as well. And I think that's it. And uh, check in next week, and we'll, we'll see you then. Thanks. Now for the disclaimers. Uh, please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.